I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Car Stories. This is Sung Kang. And Amelia Hartford. Joining us today is Peter Brown. He's been the supervising sound editor for the Fast and Furious franchise since Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I mean, a big part of why we love cars is the way it sounds. It's the voice of the car. Yeah. It's the voice of the character. Peter himself is going out there, recording the cars on a dyno on the street, getting microphones all over from the engine bay and the cab to the exhaust. Like, we get in some crazy detailed conversation about what that process looks like in his hunt for very specific sounding cars. And a lot of, you know, car guys will not let a Hollywood production come and use their car yeah. but they will let Peter you know and his passion is infectious it's really cool to see someone who wasn't necessarily into cars before joining Tokyo Drift in the Fast and Furious franchise to what they've grown to love because yeah. everyone who gets into cars finds their lane pun intended so it's really cool to hear what he was so passionate about speaking of following your lane I, I love Peter's ethos about knowing yourself and what you believe in and what your passion is and not worry about other people. And it's almost so simple. Mm-hmm. And he applies it to, you know, his his sound work. And without further ado, we'd love to introduce to you Peter Brown. So we're here with Peter Brown, uh, sound. What would your title be, Peter? I usually introduce myself as a sound guy, but I'm a supervising sound editor. So I work with a team of folks to put the sound into motion pictures, and we have to do every sound that you hear except for the music. Mm. So the dialogue, the sound effects, the foley, uh, if you've heard of that, which is where individual sounds are reproduced in a studio for the film, and sound design, uh, explosions, horse whinnies, creature sounds, uh, Horse weenies? Weenies. Oh, know. weenies. Oh, weenies. And footsteps. I didn't know the horse's weenies had sound. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of film. <laughs> so you, when you say sound design, you actually make some of the sounds. Like you create it from scratch. Well, sounds, sounds are invisible, so they're kind of hard to 
quantify, mm. but they usually come organically through a microphone, like we're making sounds here. And then through the glory of machines and technology, you can manipulate those sounds, make them go backwards, speed them up, slow them down, uh, combine them with other sounds. And sound design is a somewhat new term, but it encompasses all of that. And it could be everything from making the Dothraki language in Game of Thrones to making the sounds of the undersea world of Atlantis, things that have never been heard before, hmm. but are you know made of things that have been recorded before or things that are synthesized uh, completely from scratch in a computer. Hmm. Have you always been into sound growing up? Yeah. I listened to a lot of radio when I was a kid. I think that was the... I'm not old enough to have just had radio as entertainment, so <laughs> I definitely watched my television as well. I do recall a number of things, you know, that were only available. I'm from Western New York, so uh, it was not in any of the big cities. And there were things that would come on the radio that were just kind of amazing to me, like Dr. Demento. I don't know if that hits your generation at all, but it was a weird uh, radio show that this guy had out on the West Coast and covered all different genres of music and novelty songs, and but also told a lot of history of sound. Mm. And then the BBC did a series based on Douglas Adams' books called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, It's had television shows, it's had movies, but for me, nothing compares to what the BBC radiophonic studio did. Their sound effects and the stuff they created there was fantastic. So, you know, I spent a lot of a lot of time listening to weird things. It wasn't my main focus. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think I've always been into sound. That's so interesting because when I was younger, I'd, like the acting is what stood out to me and I'm sure there's different things that stand out to different people. But for you being the sound, was there a certain point where you're like, this is what I am passionate about pursuing and doing? I would say that that didn't come into my life until probably my early 20s when I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. I'm from Rochester, New York, uh, the land of... Eastman Kodak, where my dad was an electrochemist. And so he had the rare uh, privilege to be able to bring home expired Super 8 film. So I basically, as a kid, had this rare opportunity to have free uh, motion picture film and processing, hmm. which was sound free, by the way. But I developed a passion for that, just shooting little films with my friends and... Uh, cutting them together and learning how to, to work with film. So I knew before I went to college that I wanted to go into filmmaking. I love that. And I went to undergrad at a nice liberal arts school where I found a wife and learned excellent cocktail conversation and had <laughs> generally a fantastic time. But I knew that I wanted to go out and do a trade. I wanted to learn something concrete and specific. So I went to grad school, came out here to the West Coast, and... I had the dream, I think, that a lot of the other people who went there, we wanted to be the next John Singleton or Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, wanted to be a writer, director, auteur kind of filmmaker. And at USC, you get to do a little bit of everything, you know, whatever you want to do. This is going to be a very long answer to a simple question. No, great, no. I find great. it very interesting. Yeah. So I learned pretty early on that if you wanted to make it in Hollywood, if you wanted to write your own destiny, it seemed like the very best thing to do was to be a writer. Hmm. Because that way you could generate things out of thin air, you could control uh, the destiny, and if you were really persistent and super successful, you could eventually kick the door in and become a director. And I found out really early that writing is pretty painful for me. <laughs> and I think, you know, to be successful in life, you have to be very, you have to have your ears and your eyes open to, you know, the most important thing in your world, you. Mm -hmm. You've got to know who you are and what you're good at. If, you know, what your impressions are when you're young don't always match up with your, with your propensities or your interests. And so I found that I, you know, I wasn't going to be a writer. Mm -hmm. I did uh, direct a documentary about one of my passions, which is free solo rock climbing. But that was a, you know, that was a great process, and the film did really well. I did cinematography on another docu documentary. I did, but anyway, I, you know, I wore all those hats, mm -hmm. 
And when I was just in my second year in school, there was an opportunity just for sound people. They couldn't, and this will be a theme in probably anybody who's ever made an independent film, you can find somebody to do everything, but you just can't find that production sound guy. Or everybody will work for free, but the production sound guy won't. So what I realized in school, by the time I made it to my third year, I had kind of become the the go-to sound guy. Everybody else, they still wanted to do the writer-director thing or you know, had some other passion. There were very few people at SC who had, you know, had a taste for sound because it's not glamorous, it's not easy, and it's super labor-intensive. Mm. So you, it's very hard to fake. You can't really phone in a good sound job. Mm. So I could see that my you know, talents, the person I am, just matched up with the requirements for sound. Mm-hmm. And I came out here from Rochester. I don't know, I didn't know anybody in town. So I knew I had to pay off these student loans by doing something. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was something that I was good at and it was something that I saw that I could get employment with immediately. So Pete, can you talk about um, how you got into the Fast and Furious movies? Like when did you start working on those, the, the, the franchise? I started working on Fast and Furious with Tokyo Drift, mm. as a lot of us did. Mm. The, the string of events went like my first job in the sound business. I worked at a place called the Creative Cafe for eight years. Mm. And my boss, Stephen Hunter Flick, did a lot of films with uh, Sally Menke, a great picture editor. And as I was kind of, you know, the errand boy, running around, doing everything I can, trying to make the most of my opportunity, there was a picture assistant working for Sally named Fred Raskin. Fred, I know Fred. Yeah, You know Fred. Yeah. So He was the editor for, for Better Luck Tomorrow and Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Exactly. Now so, he does Quentin Tarantino movies. <laughs> and yeah. uh, my boss and Sally did Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of came up through the trenches, we, you know, we'd see each other taking stuff back and forth or handing things off. He saw something in me. And after Better Luck Tomorrow, when Annapolis happened, they needed a, a sound guy. And God bless Fred Raskin, but he insisted that that sound guy be me. And the company that I eventually worked for, they threw Oscar winners at him. They threw, you know, really great sound folks at him. And he just stuck to his guns and said, nope, I want Peter Brown. So that opportunity opened a ton of doors. You know, I really killed myself to do that. But there was something funny that happened at the first preview of the movie. Someone in the focus group mentioned how great the boxing sounds were. Mm. <laughs> this never happens in mm. focus groups. Nobody really ever talks about the sound. And so Disney was super happy. The companies who, whose umbrella I was working under was super happy. And so that turned into um, you know, a great relationship with, with the company that I work with now since that time. And when we were doing the final mix on Annapolis, Justin came into the stage one day and he was really busy because he was like, you know, like a lot of directors, you know, you're only, you're only as good as the last thing you've made. So that's the time to strike the iron and get the next films going. And he came in and he was like, well, I've got three offers, you know, on the table. I don't really know what I should do. And I don't remember what the, the first two were. It was, you know, film A, film B and mm-hmm. Fast and Furious. And I was just like, Justin, you must do Fast and Furious. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, that's so fun. And, you know, sure enough, a few months later, he was doing Fast and Furious. Had, and had you was, done many car films prior to that? No, but as a sound guy, I knew that if I was going to do anything of substance, anything, you know, worthwhile, you kind of need to do a science fiction film, a war film, or a racing film. Hmm. Uh it's not entirely exclusive set, but those are the types of films where you can really sink your teeth in. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. 
Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Were you into cars prior to Tokyo Drift? I'm sorry to admit, no, not really. So you had a lot a lot of fun learning about the different engines and the different sounds of them? So much fun. And you're totally right about the education thing. I mean, one of the one of the best things about life or one of the things I think that keeps you alive is just curiosity and learning. I always say the same thing. If I'm not learning, then I need to reevaluate things because that's what keeps me engaged and interested. And, and what makes documentaries so great to work on. Yeah. But here was a situation where there was a whole world of things that I knew nothing about and was able to just throw myself into it. And it was a great time to do it because L.A. was alive with people drifting. And so, you know, suddenly, you know, my vocabulary was 1JZ, RB24, <laughs> all these, you know, letters and numbers and things that I didn't know and... You know, our job is to augment the story in the film. And cars are a fantastic opportunity to, uh, you know, be an extension of the characters in the film. So I had to learn about all these different cars and figure out, you know, what they were and what would be correct. Very often, you know, the studio seems to be kind of relaxed about what you use. They kind of think all these things exist in libraries. Can't you just use that? But one of my favorite parts of the process is going out and finding the right material, the organic original piece, and then bringing that into the studio. So I had to learn about all these cars and, and, and stuff that really didn't exist in libraries at all. And so I recorded, you know, 240S hexes, 350Zs, um, all the cars in there. And I think I even, 
I recorded what is still my favorite car, which was the Falcon Motorsports RX-7, which we used for Han's car. That is beautiful that a rotary is your favorite sounding car on your first car project. I mean, even I listen to a lot of cars, I cut in a lot of cars, nothing sounds like this engine. It is such yeah. a beast. And what I brought along to take a listen to is the best recording of that engine. And indeed, it died either during this recording moment or moments afterwards. What do you mean it died? The I mean, it died? died. The engine died. Oh. See, think it, anybody who knows about RX-7s <laughs> yeah. knows. No, no, no. This, is, this is why nobody wants to let the Fast and Furious crew borrow their cars because it, it's notorious. For I guess for people who don't know a rotary, I'm probably not the best to explain it because I haven't had my hands on one yet, but they're also known as Doritos, and it's essentially a camless engine. You have this Dorito kind of creating revolutions internally that's creating combustion. It's just a different, way, a different style of an engine. I'm not doing it justice at all. Mm. Rotaries are notorious for that blop, 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 blop sound. Opposed to the piston sound, which sounds like a sewing machine. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, I've never heard. So, yeah, yeah. that's a perfect Up way. Up and to... down opposed to, you know, rotary, sure. right? Yeah. So, spinning. Yeah, and I think what, what broke on this thing was the tip of one of those corners of the Dorito. Something went wrong in that. Here's the definition. The Winkle engine is a type of internal combustion engine using an eccentric rotary design to convert pressure into rotating motion. Mm. I liked our <laughs> description okay, better. A, a, yeah, yeah, okay. So it's like a Dorito spinning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then intake goes in, the rotation creates the compression, and then it goes out the exhaust. Well, let's listen to this bad boy. I want to hear it. Yeah. So we put mics in the engine compartment, we put mics on the exhaust pipe, we put microphones inside the car so mm. that we have a whole variety of perspectives of the car. And no matter what gets thrown at us on the film, we can reproduce it. If we're having the driver's POV, we've got the interior perspective. If we want to feature the mm. blow-off valve on the turbo, we've got a mic right next to that. And so we can isolate that from all the rest of the sounds. You know, it seems obvious, but that's not something that I would think of is usually when I'm recording, it's like, okay, microphone by the exhaust. But to put one in the engine bay and then also in the cab of the car... I mean, I guess, yeah, you need those different sounds. This is an exterior perspective. So in addition okay. to having all the mics on the cars, we'll, ha we'll be lined up along the racetrack or the runway, uh, one person after the other. So one person will get the car starting up, and then the next person gets the car going by as it's in second gear. And then the next person gets the shift from second to third, and then the next person, you know, might get the shift from third to fourth. Hmm. So this... This one is uh, getting the car further down, further down the track, but you'll get to hear this performance. All these microphones are recording the same performance of the car, and you'll get a chance to hear the differences between them. That's a good sound. It is. Okay, so why is the RX-7 special to me? There's definitely some of it which comes from the first time you do something. This was the first car film that I did. When we were putting the mix together, it was just so, it was so loud. It was really hard to get uh, pieces to read. I, you know, I don't think we knew, we don't know what we know now about um, how to balance some of those sounds, but never had any problem getting that to cut through. And the way, the, some combination of the amount of horsepower in that car and the way the rev limiter hits is just, it has the element that we are always asked for in film sound, which is the director will always come in with some difficult spot and say, okay, the sound for this, I, I want an iconic, I want a signature sound. So this was like my first signature sound. It's something that I think you could play. It's, you know, it was my lightsaber. Mm. You could play it for anybody, anywhere who knows a thing or two about cars. And they'll be like, hey, that's, that's Hans RX-7 from Tokyo yeah, Drift. Very mm. unique sound for sure. Can we hear another perspective of the rotary engine? Yeah, this is closer to the start 
of the launch here. So this is still the RX-7. We're now listening from a different and here, perspective. And here you'll hear, you know, just a really, really nice, rich recording and the type of, you know, sound that you hear in multiple places in Tokyo Drift. God, I love cars. That that sounds like that sequence at the stoplight with the exchanging of the numbers, huh? And they're like it brings you back, like yeah, the smell of your girlfriend's perfume. Yeah, donutting <laughs> around the girls. It's to that get the, recording. That's that. Yeah. Wow. There you go. But they just it's it's it was on loop like as we spin around. There's the girls, definitely so. you know there's other pieces in there. So this is a tailpipe mic from the same performance, but this is attached to the car. So you don't get any of the perspective change. And this would have also been used in that in that scene. Iconic. One of a kind. Yeah. Typically when I'm recording my cars, it's for YouTube. And I want to show the audience what, you know, how a modification can change the sound of a vehicle. Well, that um, sounds really cool. Yeah. I <laughs> I like the sound coming from a tailpipe the best, unless it's like a supercharger or something turbo. You want that uh, microphone in the engine bay, but I find that when I'm recording, most of it is from behind the car, so people can really get that that raw tailpipe exhaust sound. And yeah, every little modification on a car seems to change how that sounds. I also, I've, I feel the same way about tailpipes. That's, to yeah. me, where the signature is Yeah, with accents from the turbo or the supercharger. Totally. And that that modding process, even though I don't understand it, is very important to me. Because if I get, you know, a car, you know, just from the manufacturer generally, and especially nowadays, it doesn't really sound like much. Because what I'm interested in in a car is the power of the engine, the sound and the character of it. And what car manufacturers are interested in is that the car is silent and is mm -hmm. a nice ride. So the non-muffled version is what you like. Right. And, which is what we all like. <laughs> and I don't like, I don't like to cheat because the fans are important, but... In Fast 9, for example, you're driving a Supra. Mm -hmm. And we went and recorded that Supra. It was a brand new Supra. So they often do product placements. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like nothing. It was just, yeah. mm -hmm. it was a nice, quiet car. So we might have put a 350 in there. Really? Because <laughs> I thought that was appropriate for your character. Uh huh. And it had a little bit of the rev limiter hit. I wanted to, I wanted to harken back to that car. So that was a, a moment where I took some artistic license and said, "Look, this, this is not going to, it's not going to cut through huh. um, the sound of the rest of the film." But Han's driving it, so it needs to sound like a Han car. If you had called me, I could have got you a <laughs> Supra that had some modified sound. The problem was. And I would have called you, but it was it was plague years. Right. You know, it was, it was like a day or so after Tom Hanks got COVID, and we realized in Hollywood it was real. <laughs> is it is it possible to hear the other car sounds if we just do one of, of each of the few you brought? Well, we can listen to the the Chevy, but here's another example of cheating. This is Han's car in Fast and Furious Four. What the production car was was. A 1967 Chevy C10, but it had pipes up the side of it, like a diesel. So if you're confused... Is that driving in reverse? That's, that's when you do your 180 and then you're driving in reverse. So that is a Frankenstein car. Uh, Dom was in, what, a Grand National. Mm -hmm. There was a semi, like a Cummings diesel semi, and 
you and Tigo were in these pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. I think I used an LS3 probably from one of Dennis's trophy trucks for Tigos, but this one is, this is a doppelganger Frankenstein car where I wanted it to sound like a diesel because that's what it looked like, but getting good diesel recordings is really difficult. Why is it difficult to record diesels? You know, the it's a similar problem with, with a lot of cars is that car manufacturers are just getting really good at this, mm. and so engines are getting more and more efficient. With diesels, in in my experience, and I don't exactly know how they're made, uh, most diesels these days are turbos, mm-hmm. and the turbo, you know, is is very efficient. It's taking those exhaust gases and and turning it back into, you know, forcing air into the engine and power. And it's it to me, it just sounds like a hairdryer. Hmm. Uh, just a lot of air. We recorded Banks's diesel dragster, and it just you know it just sounds like. That sounds so good, but <laughs> I understand it's also not the sound you're looking for. Well, it's just when mixed in with music and other things, it's kind of like white noise. You lose the sound of the engine. Yeah. Yeah. And so for my ears, I like old, you know, crappy 50s diesels, mm-hmm. stuff that aren't all turbocharged and they really have a, you know, fun sound to them or, you know, a diesel that's you know, just doesn't, is not so efficient that it just sounds like a big hairdryer. Mm-hmm. And and they're really hard to come by. Sure. Because, you know, most of those are, you know, getting older or they're not, they're built as workhorses. They're not built as race cars. Well, if, I'm happy to help you find one if you, if you want to record one and need help sourcing one. There's probably somebody somewhere. Oh, yeah. And to all you listeners out there, if you've got an old diesel that you want recorded, give me a holler. But back to the the C10, you know, that there's all kinds of cars mixed in there. When you really get on it, I actually cut dragster engines. So it goes mm. from a diesel to a V8. And then when you spin around, that whine that you hear, that you know that that thing is backing up, I think that's from a Honda Accord because there's there's a few, there's a range of Japanese cars, maybe late 80s or early 90s that really have a very characteristic uh, backup gear Mm -hmm. that has that high sound. And so when I need to say instantly to the audience, backing up fast, I use that, even though it makes no logical sense to any car people. But so far, nobody's complained about it. But now that I've let my pants down, I expect the hate mail is going to start pouring in. But that's the title, sound designer. You have to design these sounds to tell the story, too. I mean, the idea of make you know finding the right sound to go to to explain or to to showcase going into reverse, especially if the car doesn't or the the, the engine that's supposed to be in the car doesn't make it. You have to create that. You have to design that. It's pretty cool. Who would have known? It's a Honda Accord, huh? Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. All right, let's keep these clips rolling. So let's do uh, another car. This might be my second favorite. I don't know why you're always involved somehow in these cars, but in Fast and Furious 5, there's a brief moment where Han is driving through the city in a Ford Maverick. So part of it is the engine. Part of it is what we do with recording. Part of it is editing. But a huge part of it is the performance of the driver. Okay. If the driver knows film and understands storytelling, they can they can do miraculous things with the car. They can make it speak. I don't drive these cars. I have professionals do it. Like we worked with with Kenji last week over at Greddy. And this is a guy who just understands story and he understands what we're looking for and, and how to make the car perform in something that's going to sound good on film. Kenji Sumino is the president of Greddy. He actually built Brian's um, Supra and Fast and Furious one. So... A problem that I have with professional drivers, with someone like Chris Forsberg, is you have to do a little cajoling to get them at times to drive poorly Mm. because they want to do things perfect by the book and they'll hit every shift and everything will be perfect. And that, I want that. That's great to have, but I don't just want that. I want to miss the shift. I want the clutch to grind. I want, because Mm. the people who are driving the cars in these movies are being shot at or they're being punched or they're going over a jump or things. So there's the more weird character that I can get into a car, the better. Mm. So I've recorded a lot of skids over the years, different tires, different driving, but the Maverick that Han drives in Fast Five was probably one of maybe my second favorite car ever because there was something wrong with it. I don't know what was wrong. I think the axle mount was broken. Hmm. And so when you would start to drift with this thing or stop fast, it would sound like this. talking about the shuddering when it was breaking that chattering skid Mm -hmm. is fantastic it's box office gold i've never had a car that's made those sounds 
That's not a stock motor for the Maverick. What car was that? Was that the actual Maverick? I that I don't I don't know. My guess is it was probably an LS3, but maybe not because it's so beat up. But that's a it's a vintage car. So there was a few models of the Maverick, and I think it was like a 2.6 liter. That was like the fastest GT model. So I think that that's completely a modif- That's that's a swap. That has to be something else. That's like a V6 or... It didn't sound like an LS to me. It did not? Mm-mm. Well, it's a Ford. Most likely it's a Ford motor in yeah. there, right? I would hope. <laughs> yeah. And while we're talking about great engines, I think, think we should take a listen to the Fugazi. Yes, I Fugazi. would love... Sorry, the Fugazi. Fugazi means fake, in the, right? Fugazi. Fugu fish plus a Z. Fugazi. I'm JSL. What's that? Japanese is a second language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Fuguzi is the name of this 240Z, this 1973 Datsun 240Z. And I named it Fuguzi because Fugu fish is a blowfish that if you do not prepare it properly, it will kill you. So the, you know, the concept of a race car being dangerous if you don't do the right prep, it will kill you as well. Mm. And then I added the Z at the end, so oh. Fugu Z, right? And I tested it with a bunch of like six-year-olds going, can you say Fugu Z? And they're like, Fugu Z, Fugu Z. I go, well, okay, that's easy to say. So um, I like to name all my cars, like to give it like a character, you know, and uh, a personality. Yeah. One of the things that I need to do my job well relies on the kindness of strangers. And Sung has been a very kind stranger lately by hooking me up with people with fantastic cars. And I happen to have a need for an RB26 engine, which I think is very hard to find, but really has a signature sound. And it just so happens that Sung has one of these cars. So this is exterior perspective. That sounds so nice. I was gonna say, so like nice. I grin and cheek to cheek. Those just sound so good to me. Wow! And that's how I—that's how I like to record cars out in the world, working with gravity, mm-hmm. uh, working with mistakes, working with grit in the road, and working with the character of a driver. But another way to do it is on a dyno. If you've ever had your car smogged, it's where you stick a car in a garage on a big gigantic roller. It's mm-hmm. strapped down so it doesn't go anywhere, and then you can just drive it up to its top speed without having to deal with, you know. And I'm assuming you said this is a roller dyno, whereas sometimes if you have a high-performance vehicle, they'll just, you take off the wheels and you strap it straight to the hub of the car. Right. This is a roller dyno. Okay. Uh, This is a tailpipe sitting by the dyno, but it's Hmm. not going anywhere. And you will hear the whine of the barrel, uh, the, the drum at the end of this dynamometer run. with you. I like it on the street. And I'm really excited to get this whole record together because we've got mics on the turbos in the engine and it'll be fun to hear how those how those sound. I haven't mastered it at all yet. Mm. But I can already tell from this that it's going to be a really nice set. Have you recorded much EVs? Very little. Yeah. We have, I didn't record it, but we have the EV1 in the library and for many years that I think that was the first electric vehicle that's used a lot, but there, I, from what I can understand, the variation in them is not much. They all sound very similar. However, if you know anybody who does that, uh, whatever the racing is, Formula E, Formula E, yeah, I need to meet those people because those sound different. They sound pretty awesome. Yeah, I feel like most manufacturers now are trying to have their unique EV sound. I worked with Nissan on their VSP, their vehicle sound for pedestrians oh, for yeah. the Leaf when they came out with that. Oh, really? They they hired us for a little while to come up with a sound for driving for backing up. So, how did you create that sound? That was really all sound design. 
I really like the backup beeps. They were made out of they were made from like a wood finch, I think. So instead of just being this really annoying sound, it was more bird oriented. Huh. So that was you? It was something that I worked on for wow. Nissan USA. That is so cool. Pete. Well, it's less cool because it came down to a bake-off between mm-hmm. what the Nissan USA sound was for the Leaf and what the Nissan Japanese sound was. Mm. And let me let me make you guess which one they went with. Japan. Yeah. Mm. So now I hear that and I'm like, mm. could have been a Woodfinch. But that's pretty awesome. They reached yeah. out to you. To they were super. They were super awesome. I really I like that company. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hmm. And the the disappointing thing about it is is that the industry um, wants there to be one sound. So anyone who's hard of hearing um, mm. knows immediately. Okay, that's an electric vehicle. Mm. Mm. I didn't think about that. Who wants this? The who's this in- industry, industry standards of. So whatever, you know, governing body controls these things. It's much better to have one to rule them all. But come on, we're humans. The branding, things should have well, not character. All, not all cars sound the same, so exactly. why would each EV sound the same, right? That's horrible. Why don't you put a yeah. full exterior speaker array and you can make your EV sound like whatever you want. Yeah. You can make it sound like a, a Camaro. You can make it the sound Tesla like... The Tesla honking is like a... What are the other little farting noises or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? Can you change the sound? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's a great future there. You can make it sound like an RX-7. A sad day, but yeah. It's interesting because it sounds like you love imperfection in the sounds of the cars because then it allows you to create a character and tell a story and then break it up and match the the, the actor or the character that's playing the, you know or driving that car in life though i feel like people love imperfection you know even like older cars like i'll use i'm using another corvette example we'll, we'll use anything like there'll be um, a particular year that has the incorrect stitching or maybe the leather was notorious for tearing somewhere in particular and then at the time people were like oh that's the one that you know had uh, a defect of some sort and then 50 years go by and they're like wow that's the one that had that famous defect and people love having that unique character on mm. something and same with acting you know the take where it didn't go perfectly where you had that moment where something happened where you can improv it's almost like a blessing because you have something that was unintended that ended up creating this um unique not character as in a person but like a a piece of something that wasn't in- intended that keeps it raw and organic pete i want to ask this question earlier you said you know to be successful you have to know who you are Right. And now, as an older man that has traveled this road a little longer than the younger folks, if you were to give your younger self advice on some shortcuts to find that, how, how did you discover or how did you find who you are during your journey of your life? And what advice would you give to your younger self? Boy, that's a tough, tough question. It's right? a really tough yeah. question because yeah. I feel... I feel successful and I feel blessed and you know I I feel like most of the reason that that happened was not really because of something that I fought for or did it's because I had the greatest parents in the world. Mm. I mean I just I grew up in a a home filled with love and was told to you know surround yourself with the best people possible and you can do anything that you want and you know, I don't care what you are, just go and be you. That's, I think that's the best way, you know? Mm-hmm. The best roads to success are often things that you have no control over. Yeah, You might be born, you know, unbelievably beautiful and attractive, and it just opens all these doors for you. Yeah. So that's a not useful answer. <laughs> Um, be born beautiful and attractive and have great parents <laughs> yeah great parents <laughs> great parents it trumps all that stuff sure sure you know I've got two kids one you know 19 and 18 and the, the I feel like the main advice I give them um, is just to listen you know listen to your heart or just know yourself because everything falls into place if you can keep from lying to yourself which is so easy to do or or you know let somebody else's goal be your goal or look at somebody else where, where envy might be driving you 
but I just try to tell them to just really take a take a second to think about what it is you enjoy doing who you know what process makes you feel more like yourself and pursue that well the one thing i noticed about you because i you know when i meet people that are successful that are a joy to be around and a, a joy to work with and collaborate with and i'm looking for traits to take from them and learn from them right and one thing i noticed about you over the years since we've met which is like 16 years ago now right it's almost two decades think about that is that every time I meet you or I see you, it's like you just started this job. Like you're so excited about it. Like the passion has never dwindled, Pete. Like I don't know if you like noticed that about yourself, but it's obvious that you love what you do. And it's like a kid in a candy store. And it's infectious. I mean, it is. And you, and you know, for the people listening, because, you know, I think if I were to talk to my younger self and go, like, you know, you know what are what are the secrets to making it? And it's almost it's simple, but they're hard to do. You know, and it's like the one thing. The reason I asked you this question, I asked you that question, was you know to be able to share like you know the secrets of your success. And it's something that is very very like prominent with you is that you love what you do. You know, and it's very obvious. And hearing your origin story of. You've loved it since you discovered it in film school, you know, at USC. So it really is like a privilege to be around you, Pete. Very you know, kind. It is. So, and thus, that's why you're working on some of the biggest movies in Hollywood. So it all correlates, you know. That was the best time I've had in radio in a long time. Thanks, Song. <laughs> well, thank you, Peter Brown, for coming to talk with us and, you know, sharing your story. It was a real privilege and treat to sit down with you and learn a lot about mm -hmm. you. I had a great time. Thank you so much for bringing me in here. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.